0: Hey, what is going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Pain to Profits. I'm your host, Samson Jagoris, where every single week we bring on entrepreneurs to help you guys save time and level up so that you can uh, experience less pain on your journey to profits. And today we got Kurt Bear with Loco Think Tank, and he's actually the Entrepreneurs' Entrepreneurs. He facilitates peer advisory groups for entrepreneurs here in Colorado. He has a number of different chapters, and we're going to extract his story into entrepreneurship, but we're also going to pull out some of those nuggets as it relates to... What are some of the trappings that new entrepreneurs tend to fall into? And then some of those, you know, new levels, new devils, types of traps that entrepreneurs might stumble upon. So without further ado, Kurt, man, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming back. We actually had to redo this pod because the sound quality was so terrible the last one. But, you know, you live and you learn. That's the part of entrepreneurship, right? Well, and we both
1: enjoy this kind of thing, so might as well do it again. We totally do.
0: And I just got to go on your pod, which was a lot of fun. Yeah. I appreciate that, and it was so fun that we're actually going to change our setup a little bit to try to be a little bit more similar (laughs) to yours, a little more casual, moving the couch and stuff like that. So I'm excited about that. I like it. Um, Well, let's start here, man. Tell us who you are and how did you get to where you are today?
1: (laughs) Just in a couple minutes. Yeah. Uh, No. So yeah. No dissertations here. I'm the (laughs) you know the founder of Loco Think Tank uh, is my role in life right now, and a lot of that is the relationship manager. You know, I've got a lot of relationships with our chapter leaders and our, my staff and team and community partners. Um, and how I got here was really, I built a peer advisor organization for me when I was trying to leave a banking career to become a restaurateur. Mm-hmm. So that was the founding moment was I, I knew a former Vistage uh, chair. Um, she was looking for extra things to do. And so we kind of struck a deal where I'd find all the members and she would manage the meetings and, you I would get, get a your advisory group, yeah, and it was only $150 a month compared to $1,000 a month for Vistage. And this, Vistage, like the difference in Vistage is really like executives, right? Like CEOs? Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. And Vistage probably wouldn't wouldn't have taken me, you know, because I didn't even have a business at the time. But I had a lot of banking knowledge to bring to the sauce, and yeah. that's kind of been our test is everybody's got to bring what they can. The, the value of the group is in the membership. And then the facilitator kind of manages it to bring out that value and and herd these cats. Right. And so, you know, that group founded and launched and grew. And the next winter, uh, that summer, I started a food, mobile food trailer. And, uh, you know, then I was out of business again in the fall. And I started a second chapter of Loco Think Tank. And you're like, huh, maybe this is the business. Kind (laughs) of. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's, you know, part of the turn was my group through processing a question of, you know, should I scale this? mobile food business, buy another trailer so that I can get to a sustainable revenue. They're like, no, man, you should just park that thing, <laughs> get a job, uh, and, and get a job that's flexible enough so that you can work on a local think tank, because that's more in line with who you are as a person and, and the kind of business you should have.
0: So I want to unpack that really <coughs> quick. Sure. More in line with who you are as a person. Yeah. What, what yeah. does that mean? And and I guess what did what did they help you discover about yourself that maybe?
1: Yeah. Well, I, I'll actually even unpack our process just a bit to cool. to unfold that story. So the question I asked was, should I add this small trailer to my mobile food trailer business? Because uh, I'm working eighty hours a week in the summer not in the winter. You know, making. 20, 30 grand for the whole year. Yeah. And that's just not going to cut it. Yeah. And so our second step is asking clarifying questions without making any suggestions yet. And the, the key questions that they asked that all were informed by them having spent 16 months in a group with me were, you know, Kurt, you're a really creative guy. But now that you've created all this, these menus and these, this brand and stuff, don't you just kind of make the same kind of food over and over again? And <laughs> does that still fill your cup? Ouch, and uh, so yeah, exactly. Ouch, <laughs> and, and you know you're super social, and but don't you mostly work when your friends have time off, and have time off when your friends are working? How's that work out for you? Yeah, It's not good uh, for a social. People. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And finally, I was the the chairman of the or the yeah chairman of the board of a of a local nonprofit. They were like, well, how do you feel not having really any time or money to support the, all the charitable causes that you've been a part of in your banking career? <laughs> <laughs> and, and and do you think you would get that if you had three food trailers in a restaurant someday? Like ultimately they said, you don't even want to be where success would take you. And it's not even clear that you can get there. Right. <laughs> and so park it and do what you can do best.
0: So a question for you on that, though. Yeah. I have zero desire to ever open a restaurant where I would run stuff. Right. Right. I have this, my wife and I have this vision for this dessert restaurant, Mm -hmm. but we would go partner with a restaurant tier because similarly, my wife's the creative, the the menu, the experience, all that stuff. We, we've know that about ourselves, but what was the draw for you to Mm -hmm. say, Hey, I think I want to go do this restaurant thing.
1: Yeah. You know, I'm a community builder. So I like to bring people together and that was kind of the theme of the restaurant and it was local food with international fusion kind okay. of concepts. Um, and, and yeah, I had worked in a restaurant in college. I really loved it. And I'm like, you are like your wife creative and wanted to do these things. And then, you know, the, the operations element of putting it all together and doing that day after day after day. Yeah. You know, and I didn't have enough revenues to hire a manager Right. <laughs> you know, I'm a leader, not a manager. And so that was what my, my chapter really identified is this, you're you're not a manager in restaurants, student managers, dude. Well, I think that's good. I mean, I think for our audience that's listening, you know,
0: uh, latching on to an idea or a creative idea is not always the best place to, to push your business mm, mm-hmm. desires or entrepreneurial desires because yeah, there's a, there's a, you got to make money, let's face it, right? right. So if you can't make yeah. money at doing it, then it's it's just a dream ultimately. Yeah. And it takes a certain type of person. Like uh, one of the guys who I'd love to have come on here is a local restaurateur, Ty Fulcher, right? Sure.
1: Yeah, he was on my podcast. He's
0: social and the union and he, the guy's a stud. But, like, that life is hard. I've talked to him about totally. it. You know, he's going into work at <clears throat> 5 or 6 at night and then getting off of work at 2 or 3 in the morning. Like, no thanks. Yeah. That's not life for me. Yeah. No, so, so I think it's important to really have that conversation of lifestyle design. Like, what do I actually want for my life?
1: Yeah, yeah. And well, and that's what my group kind of talked to me about later. is they were like, you know, you were a banker, you know, a, a executive, and you know, this mobile food trailer business that might be the life for uh, like a restaurant manager that wants to have his own thing. Yeah, you know, and might be satisfied with that forty, fifty thousand dollars a year income and a lot of freedom and still live their passion. But like, that's not. You're not going to enjoy that life
0: if you build it. Do you think you were maybe chasing, you were trying to escape
1: that world that you were in? Oh, for sure. You know, when I started banking, I was like, well, I'm going to do this until I have a big enough money, big enough pile of money and a good idea right. to start a business.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, and then ultimately I, I really didn't have a big enough pile of money or a very good idea. <laughs> but somehow, you know, along the way that necessity is the mother of invention, local think tank kind of sprung out of that challenge. How many chapters do you guys have now? Uh, we've got eleven chapters, a hundred and seven or something members. Yeah, and awesome. you know we're finally kind of a sustainable organization that internal referrals at least keep us at a stable membership. Yep, and so, t- so that's so, nice.
0: So tell me more. If I wanted to be, I want to become a part of a chapter. What am I getting when I become a part of? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. at Think Tank.
1: Well, our members get a half day monthly meeting typically. Um, I'd like to say it's kind of like two parts board meeting, one part support group. Right. So there's, there's a lot of business topics, but also personal check-ins as part of it. Um, We have a focus member each month that we kind of have them do a presentation to kind of pull back the curtain on their whole business, you know, org chart, financials, culture, mission, vision, values, are you living through that, all those things, and then put a question on the table. Mm. And so we use that process that I kind of described to to pull questions apart. There's room for another couple of questions that kind of at large. Yeah. And then, you know, either outside speakers, you're going to do uh, a speaking engagement with one of our builder chapters later this morning. Yep. And so we'll bring in some outside resources as well. And then, um, you know, just assorted accountability tools. It's a, as you know, it's a lonely place sometimes running an enterprise Yes, and you know, there's really nobody to hold you accountable. Mm -hmm. And a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, some people really respond great with a coach, a one-on-one others, that number of peer pressure, you know, 10 people telling you what you need to do next month instead of one. Right. You know, if nine out of 10 people agree, you're like, well, I guess I should probably do that.
0: Yeah. And (laughs) entrepreneurship is a, it's a skill, right? Mm -hmm. And, and it's, it feels very ethereal and complex when you're first getting started until you get your head wrapped around. You know, what we talk about on here a lot are the eight core concepts of business, right? Leadership, finance, operations, growth, product, service, sales, and marketing, and knowing how to orchestrate those, right? And um, how to, how to rob Peter to to pay Paul and how to be creative in order to make the money and the finances work. Um, Less than 9% of entrepreneurs have MBAs. And so Mm -hmm. a lot of us are just out here trying to figure it out. So the value of a peer advisory group is you get to be around other people that are all kind of walking on the journey and somebody who's extracting knowledge and wisdom Because you might be, like you said, super skilled on the finance side, right? Right. Like that's the world. I understand the numbers, but I'm not sure how to market and grow this business. I'm not sure how to scale beyond an army
1: of one. Hiring people and building culture is not something I'm good at. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of, we, we look at intelligence kind of a, a bar chart, you know? So instead of I'm a one twenty, like an IQ or whatever, no, I'm a, I'm a nine in finance and, and a, and a three in process (laughs) and a nine in creativity and I'm a seven in, you know, team building. Yeah. And when you put 10 people together that have different strengths and weaknesses. So I'm the mixologist. So I'm intentionally looking for talents that we don't have in the room sometimes and, and really trying to build that diverse perspective. Cause when you're in the hot seat and people are coming at you with questions from finance and marketing and HR and operations, you know, there's no time to, to really think you're just kind of answering. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You
0: know. No, that's so good. I love that. So the so I'm interested to know, before you kind of started on this journey and found, so i stumbled into Loco Think Tank. Yeah. Obviously, you started your, what was the name of your barbecue business? Oh,
1: it was Bear's Backyard Grill. Bear's Backyard Grill. It was Grill. supposed to be Bear's Backyard Bistro was the, the restaurant. But, yeah. Uh, what
0: was the catalyst event? Like there, <laughs> I feel like there had to be a moment where you were maybe just like, you know what, screw this, I'm done. I'm going all in on this thing. I got to do something yeah. else. Was that how it happened? or was Well, it, a it was organic? actually
1: more of a slow burn in, okay. back in 2008. Eight, I, I, back in my, maybe 2006, seven, I haven't had a lot of involvement, starting involvement with the local food okay. thing. I was convinced that the the world was going to crumble and the bad mortgages were going to screw yeah. up the whole thing. I was writing about launching a local gold-based currency to insulate us from the effects. Was this prior to, oh, yeah, to yeah, September the, 29th? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, so uh, you
0: were riding with Peter Schiff and all those guys who were totally doom and glooming it.
1: I was totally, you know, I was two years ahead of that kind of doom and gloom, and investing in the local food community because in case we can't buy stuff from Mexico,
0: yeah, farm to table, <laughs> here right. and get some cows. You so know.
1: anyway, that was my kind of backdrop, philosophy, kind of stuff. And so I, I worked on a on a local food restaurant concept. I pitched. Uh, local yokels to NBC for America's uh, next great restaurant. They had okay. a series for. I remember that it was very. Wasn't one of the hosts like the dude from
0: Chipotle? He was like, yeah. okay, I remember that show. I <laughs> yeah. love that show." It and they didn't
1: and call went, me back. And well, uh, never went anywhere, so you didn't miss anything. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> it wouldn't have been a big deal. So, but I got involved in that. And I started writing a business plan for this local food international fusion restaurant, and there wasn't a uh, a local food distribution company. I had no way of getting that local food. Can't have farmers, like, bringing me stuff or running around the whole place getting all these different ingredients. Right. And so I started writing a business plan for that. And then financial crisis hit. My boss got let go. I became the acting president of the bank. Seemed like a rough time. And then later I met the gal that started Loco Food Distribution, uh, Emily uh, Moser. Got it. And... uh, Is that...
0: Is that Josh? Is she related to Josh Moser?
1: Uh, Ben's wife. Okay. Yeah. So he owns the Lyric Cinema or parts of it, most of it. Yeah. Cool. And uh, she has local food distribution. So longer story short, we my, my dad and I invested in her business. So she grew, eventually paid our investment back cool. and became a sustainable business. And then that was like, and banking Got less and less fun <laughs> after the, after <laughs> the recession. For yeah, none. I mean, it used to be kind of a gravy job, and now it was like hard work. It's probably how it feels a lot today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, still, yeah. yeah. And so uh, I was like, well, I'm kind of ready to try my restaurant. You know, I got a distribution company now. I can find a space and whatever. Yeah. And uh, that was kind of the catalyzing event was, was banking becoming increasingly meh. Yeah. And and so just like wanted to gonna, live that dream. Yeah. Yeah. You need a little excitement back in your So I had a little cash. Uh, my dad was going to stake me for up to a certain portion as well. Uh, once we got a ways into the food trailer business, he was like, well. I think I'm out. <laughs> I, think I, I think I've put enough into this food trailer. Uh, yeah. so, so I was super broke before Loco Think Tank really started. Right. In a lot which, of ways. Which
0: is great because I love that because I feel like there's a misconception when you're starting up. You need to have, you know, money uh, or a lot of it and
1: yeah. And a lot of businesses require at least something. Sure. You know, it might be a, a ton of skill, you know, sometimes engineers or inventors and things have enough to be able to draw capital for a real special sauce. But usually you have to have at least some capital. Mine was social capital. Correct. You know, 15 years of being a banker and, and, and knowing at that time, probably at least a thousand business owners, you know. Yeah. And so that was my network. Mm. That was where my value could be found and, and being discerning in, in who I invited into those communities. Yeah. Cause not everybody's a good fit.
0: Yeah. Who, so who is a good fit?
1: Um, I like to say first that it's, it's free thinkers, you know, people that are willing to change themselves and listen to others. And if, the, if people come into our groups that already know all the answers.
0: Yeah. What's they, the point of being in a period? Yeah. They
1: get frustrated and so does everybody else, yeah. <laughs> especially when some of them are wrong. Yeah. Um, and you know, founders mostly, Um, we have a lot of, you know, I'm kind of a libertarian leaning guy, so we probably have a higher percentage of that than, yeah, but that's entrepreneurs in general. Yeah, exactly. Um, self makers, right? Yeah. People People traveling an unusual journey. You know, if it's a pizza restaurant, how to have a successful pizza restaurant isn't all that much, but if a Chinese medicine import dermatology clinic is a little bit (laughs) different kind of a thing or, or whatever. There's a lot of unusual journeys within our organization. Interesting. Um, you know, they're, they're kind, they, they're smart, they're kind or they're upwardly mobile. We're not a fix it shop really. We're, we're there to take good businesses and make them great. Yeah. Rather than to, to rehab. We're not a startups. Um, you have to be kind of four or 5,000 a month, regular income, yeah. To be considered for even our smallest groups. So it's not some a some
0: proof of concept in market. Yeah.
1: The market has to have accepted you to some extent. And I don't want to, you know, even though our membership is only $250 a month, I don't want to turn your red ink redder yeah. right away. <laughs> you know, I, I want you to be at least somewhat sustainable before I, I, I start billing you for our service.
0: Yeah. I'd love for you to I'd love for you to go a little bit more into uh, when you first started Loco, so you kind of tabled the the barbecue grill business, mobile food truck, and then you moved into local think tank, but you wouldn't get a job.
1: Yeah. I actually, well, I started local first. Okay. And they helped me say, well, you don't have a lease. You might as well build a food trailer. Okay. <laughs> and so I did that. And then, yeah, when I, when I put the food business down, um, then I got a job at Thrivent Financial Okay, uh, selling investments and insurance. You know, it was a job that was flexible enough for me to kind of have in my own time um, a lot of the investment firms, I interviewed quite a few, but most of them, because I had that side business, Yeah, no, no they problem. were like, Oh no, that's not going to work. Yep. And, uh, but Thrivent was, you know, willing my first year I did pretty good, but then I started another chapter of Loco and it was increasingly like, which, which one thing should I really invest in and work on? Loco was clearly more my passion. Yeah. I just didn't make that much money off it yet. <laughs> but, but as Loco took more and more of my attention, I did worse and worse. And thrive and I did 40, 43,000 revenue my first year. Yeah. And then I hired an assistant and I think I did sixteen or eighteen thousand my second year. <laughs> yeah. And paid her like fourteen. Yeah. <laughs> so year two of 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 my investments journey was really for sure a low point. And yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, man, that's such a Cause there's this gap between, you know, when you start up and when you actually start to achieve revenue yeah. and it's having that faith kind of in between that separates, you know, good entrepreneurs and successful entrepreneurs from those who probably give up or quit before they ever get started. For sure. Um, if you could go back and looking at that now, would you have taken the thriving job or would have you just tripled down or was it necessary for you to yeah. have that job and learn some things from that, that. Um, maybe skills you didn't have.
1: Yeah, that's something that I actually hired a coach uh, after that chapter meeting to help decide, you know, could I, you know, start two more Loco chapters right away and plug that gap with, you know, the Uber mayor. I guess it was kind of there, you know, but I didn't have a new enough car to qualify. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I could have bartended or something like that. 73 Dotson doesn't cut it, (laughs) And probably, you know, if I had it to do again, probably I would have doubled down on Loco and found my bridge income somewhere else that wasn't so distracting, like, like being a bartender or, you know, something like that. Right. It would have sucked, you know, being up until late hours and stuff, but would have given me my days free to grow local faster and, and thriving definitely was a distraction because at least for a time I was convinced that I should build, you know, a really successful financial planning office that had this, you know, thriving side operation of, of local think tanks that would also spin off. You know, hundreds of new clients a year because of all the employees and stuff. But my my members uh, did not come aboard my investment business like I imagined.
0: Well, there's it's a lot of trust that goes into that business, right? Well, so and they
1: knew I didn't want to be their guy in five years. Yeah. They're like, "You're my local guy, and you should do that a hundred percent. Like, don't be pulling yourself in two here, trying to be a financial guy." Yeah, so I love that. That's tremendous. It's nice. I I like to say through these groups and elsewise, you know, and, and really across the board, we really get to know each other, know ourselves through the eyes of other people. Mm. You know, if we never get that feedback from people, yes, you can be introspective, but right. How are you showing up really?
0: Oh yeah. It's very easy to fill in the gap with what we want. To oh see. sure. Rosy yeah. retrospection. Right? <laughs> yeah. That wasn't as bad. We as look that. at ourselves
1: with rose colored glasses a lot, you know, <laughs> Absolutely. or with super critical ones, you know, it kind of, it depends. Yeah. What
0: through this journey, what's been the lowest point in the local think tank career for you personally? And I, and I want to unpack that because I feel like every entrepreneur has one of those moments where they're like, I might have to go get a job or this sucks or
1: should yeah. I keep doing this? <laughs> Did you have one of those? You know, mine, it's interesting. My low point was almost a high point in some ways. Um, leading up to the start of the third group, um, I had a facilitator, Abruptly quit. Okay. Um, they gave me some feedback that they wanted to, you know, grow the group up to sixteen members and and charge more and and different things and be all about business, get rid of the personal side. Yeah. And I was like, no, we're not going to do that. And he's like, okay, well, I quit. <laughs> and and he was facilitating group two, and he was going to come on board as group. He did come on board as group three facilitator on the interim. Yeah. And so, boom, I've got like. Two thirds of my resources are gone, um, and I was crushed emotionally. And 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 uh, it's what first got us to like do the ten characteristics of our facilitators. What are we looking for? Mm. What are the ten characteristics of our members? What are our values? What are our is our mission? Right. You know. So it was that testing that really helped to put some meat on the bone and and help define. You know, local think tank at that time was just really you know, a one page word document application and a website that I built myself with no prior experience. Yeah, wasn't much.
0: And those are things you don't know until you get into it. You know, I've I've been fortunate enough to be a part of some organizations that scaled really quickly. And I quickly learned that culture values drive culture and culture drives the business. Mm. And if you're not forthcoming with, Hey, this is our values. And if you don't align with those values, that's okay just, you don't have to work here. That's okay. Yeah. It it actually comes back to do exactly what you said later, right? It's people quitting or knocking on your door and saying, Hey, why don't you subscribe to X, Y, and Z world belief? And it's like, it doesn't align with my core values. Um, but if I would have led with that, then I actually end up at the same spot with a lot more people that align with the culture that ultimately is going to drive the business. And so we got to go through that. And part of, I hope if you're listening with this, one of the most important things you should be doing from day one, when you start your business is what do I believe? Yeah. And who are the types of people that align with that? And I should be hiring and I should be firing by the core values. Yep.
1: hundred percent. One of the things I've, I've told people in my business planning class, I teach at SBDC is for a long time. I thought a mission statement was kind of like for your customers so that they could, you know, see what you're about and decide if they should become your customer or not or whatever. But really it's for your team. It's yes. for your staff. And so you can, transmit what, what are our values and what are the things that we do and don't do? And what are we aiming toward? Yeah. Your vibe so. attracts your tribe. Yeah, totally. And
0: then they'll bring customers in that are a good fit. Yeah. Right? And then yeah. sometimes you have to fire customers because they don't align with your core values. Yeah. And that and that's okay too. What was the big, what was the big breakthrough, the big turning point? You know, obviously it's like you just came out swinging and crushing it. Those first yeah. few years of uh local think tank were pretty lean. So totally. Uh-huh. But th- what was the breakthrough? Was there- yeah,
1: several years. I had a $2,000 salary for, gosh, probably like three years after first going completely pro. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, my wife had increased her income from, you know, 20000 a year when I was a banker to 50000 a year plus. Yep. And so she was able to bridge us through um, because the local just couldn't pay me more than that. Right. You know, if I wanted it to go broke, I could pay myself more for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but then the, the big turn, I think... You know, so many of my big positive turns have come from disappointment. Mm-hmm. So in 2021, we tried all summer, uh, to open a new chapter in Longmont. i had had a young man on my podcast that wanted to become a, a facilitator I was based down there and a good fit and things. And I went to, I joined the Longmont chamber. I went to, I don't know how many different kinds of things and I left. And then, and then the, the, uh, Mask mandates came back on, and gatherings were hard again. And I left disappointed with no, nothing to show for a bunch of hours of work. And I took the challenge to my to my um, think tank chapter and said, "You know, what am I doing wrong here with this?" And 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 they said, "Well, basically, why are you even doing that?" You know, that was a builder level chapter. It would have been twenty four hundred dollars a month in marginal revenue at that time. I had six seats available in next level chapter. Two, it was still young. I had, um, three or four seats available in next level one. And each of these are a thousand dollars a seat. They're like, you got $7,000 on the table. If you just go and make some good sales calls in this region Right, and you're fighting and straining and groaning and trying to like build relationships in Longmont for $2,000 a month. Yeah. So ultimately we, I had always imagined kind of having a, a very flat organization and for geographic expansion, um, just doing it kind of from headquarters and we launch them everywhere. I don't think that's going to work. And so yeah. the, 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 the shift in strategy is really to, if we can double once more here in Northern Colorado, then Northern Colorado can be kind of the original franchise region kind of thing. And then I can bring on people that already have relationships in other places. Right. Cause that's really my dream is to, to empower local think tank type chapters that are, you know, well aligned with the the values uh, and the intentions of the small business development centers and the chambers and mm-hmm. the better business bureaus. And that we're, it's not like a super secret boys club like a lot of peer groups is yep. instead it's like people saying, Hey, we're getting smarter together and we're great community citizens and we love our customers and our employees and we're just trying to do better business. A couple things I got from that.
0: Um, keep the vision clear and forefront, but keep the plan loose on how you get there. Don't don't like overcommit. Uh, Don't confuse motion with progress. Um, you know, just because your top line revenue is going up doesn't mean it's actually going to be more profitable. You know what I mean? So when you're starting up and kind of moving into that growth phase, it's about going horizontal, but not getting too far out in front of your skis that you can't totally. pay your bills because you, even though you're cr- increasing top line revenue, your margins not getting any better. So you, yeah. if you do things that strain the
1: margin, like put a chapter, you know, that yeah. far away. Yeah. spend $5,000 in six months.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Just
1: building a $2,000 revenue stream that costs $1,000 <laughs> a month. Anyway, it's like, the, well, the ROI yeah, isn't great. The internal rate of return on
0: that is pretty rough. So um, I love that. Well, looking, looking back now, uh, is there anything you would have done differently?
1: All along the way, yeah. Um, gosh, probably lots of things.
0: Yeah. What What are some of those those big memorable nuggets?
1: Um, you know, the first time I raised my price, I raised it from one hundred and fifty to one hundred and seventy five. <laughs> After like three years or something, <laughs> uh, I should have raised it at least to two hundred. You know, I said yeah. a tone of very slow, uh, gradual things. Um, one thing that I probably would do differently today is is we've really established that each chapter kind of has its own, they're, they're an island to themselves and I kind of trust the facilitators to deliver a, a good package and, and I do things to keep the facilitators informed and, and trained and engaged with each other. But I can barely communicate with my members sometimes mm. um, and that's mostly okay unless I have some things i need them to know and so i can still send notes through the facilitators and stuff but definitely those relationships are looser with headquarters than maybe would be beneficial especially if we're going to build a a a more you know regional and the national kind of a scope yep so figuring out ways that we can better engage the members from headquarters so that you know we don't have regularly have facilitators being like okay i quit working for loco i'm just going to Go do my own thing. Take my group and go do my own thing. Yeah. <laughs> we want to be able to provide value to them that, that helps them want to stay right. in the right way. But but that is definitely a risk. You know, we don't do anything that's rocket science.
0: Yeah. Uh, now that having worked with a bunch of entrepreneurs, especially those that are, you know, early days and, you know, getting off the ground, what, what would you say some of the biggest trappings are hmm. of, of newer entrepreneurs on their journey and Mm -hmm. uh, maybe some nuggets that we can unpack for the audience so that they don't make the same mistake.
1: You know, one thing I see, um, you know, you go to like sometimes chamber meetings or or B and I groups or things, and there's all these young entrepreneurs and they're all trying to sell to each other and none of them have any money, (laughs) you know? And so one thing you got to do and they don't really feel qualified to sell to, you know, say it's a business to business kind of a service, like they don't feel qualified to sell to a Da Vinci sign or a all phase restoration or something like that. Yeah, Cause they're just amazing. a small business, you know, but those are the companies that have actually money to, to spend on the things that they need. So, so not just develop a product that people need, but that people that have money need. Right. And so that's, that's one thing I see a lot. Um,
0: not, get, you got to go get out ahead. there and like pitch it too. you know, you got to go Yeah, fall on your face a little bit and come at it. And totally, you know, the worst thing they can say is no, you know?
1: Yeah. But don't pitch it to people that either can't buy it or aren't interested in it. You yeah. Know? So,
0: so what you're saying is they're unclear about who their ideal
1: customer. Yeah, qualifying your, qualifying your ideal customer and, and actually being willing to put yourself out there with that demographic.
0: Yeah. So people will just kind of fumble along until maybe they, they strike gold or they don't, you know, yeah, yeah. when you'd be a lot more tactical about who are they, where do they hang out? How much money do they make? What do they believe? What are their values? Totally. What are the demographics and the psychographics?
1: And use the, use the library. You know, the library, uh, has amazing database resources so that you can research demographics and your products and industry trends and all those kind of things and see if there's, you know, we like to say in banking, the scouts get the arrows. Yeah. Sometimes when you're way ahead of the marketplace, you suffer for it. Yeah. Um, Or uh, is there just not a market? You know, sometimes you get ahead of it and the market catches up, but other times there's just not actually a market there. It's
0: it's very rare to be able to successfully pioneer a new industry or really change the way that something's done. Unless, of course, you're kind of going through times like we are right now where a little bit more recessive. Right. Those are probably some of the times when people are a little bit more keen to say, hey, the way that we've been doing this isn't really working anymore. I'm open a, to hearing some other ideas.
1: I had a guy from Lightning Motors on uh, cool. last night on the podcast Which is, or two days. Can you tell everybody who that is? Oh, so Lightning Motors builds like electrified drivetrains for like buses, shuttle buses, different school buses, different things like that. And kind they're of huge. They're down so, yeah, they got the south Yeah, 250 employees now or something, um, but they started as a hydraulic a boost assist system so that, uh, for braking regeneration. Oh wow. So when you braked it would charge this booster thing so that and it would power, help you power off and save fuel cool. uh, for those kind of things. And they worked on that for a while and there just really wasn't a market for it. <laughs> right. And so they raised some more capital and made a shift over into these electri- fully electrified chassis kind of systems where they could actually use their own technology. Yeah, some of their technology and learnings were, were applied, but really what they started to do isn't anything about what they're doing now.
0: Yeah, that's cool. I'm actually excited because we're gonna go Jay Doctor was on here with the Forge campus. Oh, cool. So, so we're gonna go down there and do another tour, but we're also gonna do some pods down at the Forge campus. Oh so hopefully we'll have that them on and the founder. What, what's his their or what's their name?
1: Uh Brian, no. Gosh, no. I can't remember. I didn't have the founder on. I, <laughs> okay. I just had a marketing dude on. I don't have your kind of connections. Uh, you should get a, get some time with Allison and Seebeck down there too. Okay, yeah. At the warehouse. She's going to come on too. So awesome. She's, yeah, she's awesome. Cool. Um,
0: what, do you, were there any skills that you wish you would have had prior to starting this journey?
1: Mm. Uh, you know, to some extent, maybe not skills, more interests. Mm. Um, I've got quite a bit of skills in terms of like financial management and cash flow analysis and things like that and I haven't really applied it hard at local think tank. Right. Um, and, and most partly because we're, we're such a stable business, right? You know, we have monthly membership dues. We've had stable expenses, you know, our, our inventory doesn't exist. Neither does our accounts receivable. Right. It's just a matter of underspending our expenditures kind of, or under spending our revenues. Uh, and so, and you know, if I did a little better job of, you know, building dashboards and, and kind of, those are probably some of the, some of the, the KPI kind yeah. of things. And, and we do some of that, but we're still, I'm a little loosey goosey and just kind of, you know, my next sales call is somebody I ran into last week and whatever. Yeah. That kind of thing, front of mind kind of sales and, and building a much more structured kind of system and understanding, you know, how many appointments lead to a sale and blah, 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 all that so kind of stuff. So since
0: you know that about yourself, what are you doing to try to fix it?
1: Um, I'm going to hire somebody to, to, Put that in place more.
0: Yeah, 100%. <laughs> that's as my next tire. Really, as, as a sales and marketing guy, that gives me anxiety.
1: Yeah, to no, talk it, about it. I was just talking about yesterday, like a, a sales operations, basically. Yeah, because that's mostly you know we've got a lot of resources expended on marketing. Yeah, and we've got radio ads and a magazine ad and different things. You know, social media and this and that. And I go and talk places all the time, but sales is really what grows it, sure. and so I am the bottleneck. Yeah, I'm having a t shirt made actually right now for looking and it says I am the bottleneck like an exclamation mark. Uh and it's because I feel that and, and probably a lot of entrepreneurs at whatever stage feel like they're they're ultimately the thing that's keeping their business from getting to its next level.
0: Yeah. Or or they're just un unself aware. Yeah. Know, at least you're yeah. self aware of it. I I think that um when you're used to doing the sales, it's very easy to say nobody can do it as good as me. Yeah. And I've found personally that that means we need to go unpack, you know, what is the pitch? What is the process? How does it work? What are we actually selling? What are the tools? What are the, because you have a ton of esoteric knowledge right. that is not going to transcend to the next person unless they're a right. really skilled salesperson.
1: Yeah, 15 years in banking yeah. and all these network and things like that it, won't transfer.
0: It won't transfer at all. Yeah. So how do you take that, extract it, put it into some sort of framework Yep. They can then be repurposed, you know?
1: Yeah. No, I have no doubt that I can hire a much better salesperson than me. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt about it. And put some technology in too that just gives you totally. that
0: comfort so that you have the uh, the view into the pipeline to know, hey, what is our pipeline? What's coming? What's landing? Where's it at?
1: Well, one of your speakers last week talked about, you know, good marketing and have somebody halfway there. Right. Uh, I don't think we've ever had somebody more than like 20% of the way there with our (laughs) marketing, you know? Yeah. And, and maybe that's a different thing because it is such a relational service. Correct. You know, maybe a third of the way there is the best we can hope for in some ways, but I think there are things that we can do to help identify. We've been talking about, you know, even creating some like skit, like conversations that can be short vids or things like that that really help people identify. Oh, you know what? I do feel lonely on a regular basis when I'm making big decisions. Yeah, you know, or I, you know, I, I talk to a, a key employee, or maybe not even a key employee, about these things that I really shouldn't even be talking with my employees about. But yes. I need somebody to vent with, yeah, you know. And, and my wife is tired of hearing about it.
0: <laughs> so. uh, yeah, I, w- I would say that <clears throat> your salesperson and your marketing need to be closely linked mm. because they work in tandem. And uh, so a lot of times those things have been siloed, but they're not anymore. Totally. Yeah. You know, the way that we think about sales now is the, you know, the, the best marketing we have is our frontline salespeople. So how do we get us all creating content, curating content that pushes back into the funnel that then ties them into the retargeting campaign that then nurtures them down into an email list that then gets them to convert, right? Like it's a concerted effort. And so
1: I would, I would just encourage you for that. Um, When the marketing team gets information then on, where to fish exactly right if they're getting these leads from this pool over here and not a one of them ever actually turns into a customer maybe pull your pull your bobber out of that pool exactly uh and yeah <laughs> we've i, I, I don't want to you know embarrass my team and say we're not there at all we do have a, a pretty good we use monday.com as our crm good. and we got a pretty good handle on whose prospects and whose opportunities and who's good. a deal and things like that but that's probably where our, our most effort needs is kind of some of those automated cultivations that leverage technology and and help people know where we're at when we're when they're ready
0: yeah 100 and if and if you're listening to this guys as an entrepreneur i think you know the biggest takeaway from what kurt's talking about is just like self-awareness is like hey if if you know that's not your or that's your weak point and you need to fill that gap you go look for who don't try to figure out how to do totally. it totally just delegate to elevate and go do the stuff that you're
1: best the at. uh the book who not how yeah is a wonderful one that anybody can benefit from
0: Dan Sullivan. If you guys are wanting to know who wrote it. Yeah. Great book. Yeah. Love that book. Um, what what do you think most surprised you about this
1: adventure? Huh? You know, probably the biggest, uh, surprise and, 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 blessing of it in some ways is how much the facilitators love the role. Um, I like to say that they should want to do it for free. Right. You know, but what we pay them just to prevent volunteer fatigue, basically. <laughs> um, but they, you know, between having community and, you know, some of our facilitators are retired from from owning one or several small businesses. And so, you know, their main community has been the golf course right, or the, the tennis court or something like that. And so to be able to have community with these many business leaders and, and other facilitators that are having a similar kind of experience and stuff like that, like that's uh you know I've got a facilitator that's that's leaving me uh in the fall um so if somebody's listening out there and, and you want to be <laughs> a facilitator I'm, I'm shopping around right now for a, for a great one but um he, he's got fresh grandkids in in Arizona and Alaska and he's just not it's just hard for him to get there for every meeting or even more than half right and so you know but he's super emotional like making the decision and communicating it with his chapter. He's been with them since we started his group in February of 2020. Mm -hmm. And so they've been uh, through a lot together. together. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And, and just how much, how much joy we can allow them to have. And that, just that purpose fulfillment of, of seeing businesses get to their next level and and conquer a, a standing obstacle and things like that. Yeah, that's good. What are you most excited about right now? Ah, uh, most excited about, well, probably we've got a, uh, what we are calling a next level summit in cool. July at the end of July. And so we've got three chapters now coming on 30 members of, of our next level for those, those larger operators. And we're going to bring all of those chapters together for an all day summit up at sky ranch, a corral, sky corral ranch, rather mm-hmm. up risk Canyon. And we've got ginger Graham to be our keynote speaker for the the midday session. And Got a great session in the morning from Drew Yancey and then in the afternoon from Kim O'Neill and really going to try to unite that community in finding ways that we can really collaborate together to, to bend the needle on challenges. Um, I think labor is kind of the focus of this summit this time. Like what can we really do to, to work together to improve our labor pool, retainment retention? Are there some things that we can actually do as a community uh, to help make that an easier thing. It's been business. a conversation in Fort Collins forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and can we do it? Do we have a, you know, can we build a coalition of the willing, should we be a partner with or others There's been tons Chamber of them falling apart because you got too many chiefs
0: and not enough Indians. And yeah, you want my candid opinion on how to do it? Because sure. I've thought a lot about this. Yeah. You need to structure it like a real corporation where you have a CEO, a CMO, a CGO, a COO, um, but instead you get our bunch of CEOs all at the table, all <laughs> yeah. vying for who's got the best idea. Yeah. Nobody wants to take any direction or take action. Everybody throws money at it. Like that's going to fix the problem. And there's no tactical concerted effort to do the most important thing, which is to drive awareness in and around what opportunities exist, how to drive more businesses to want to come here. Small businesses make up 70% of the economy, mm. except we do nothing as an, uh, a city organization to actually encourage more people to come here to start and grow their business. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why there's, there's so many like real estate entrepreneurs here in Northern Colorado. Like everybody's a real estate. There's 2,500 people that have real estate license in Northern Colorado. But if we're talking about what drives real innovation and what drives income growth, Sure. We, we need to get more startups and more technology and more technologists to kind primary of primary employers of
1: various sorts. Yep.
0: hundred percent. And it used to be that HP was here, right. And we had some pretty major employers up here, yeah. but that's well, the
1: healthcare systems, uh, you know, we import a lot of Nebraska money and Miami yeah. money and stuff like that. But
0: yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> but yeah, no, I think those are good insights. And one of the things we've already been talking about is how can we, uh, go downstream within the teams of these businesses and involve the HR specialists and the different people and, and build, Beyond just like you said, twenty chiefs isn't going to fix this problem. But twenty chiefs and a lot of
0: money. The last one I heard about, I don't even remember what it was called,
1: but they spent something like
0: a million dollars and delivered on a website <laughs> through a party to kick it off, and then nothing ever came. It was oh, this everything. the like the workforce thing with the chamber? Group? Yeah, maybe the <laughs> workforce. Now, you know, shout out to you guys for trying, but gosh. You, you guys yeah. foobarred that. We that. think
1: we could build a build a place where, where job candidates, because sometimes job candidates just want a job. Right. And other time job candidates might want a job in a small business organization. Right. You know, and I think that's one way we could potentially differentiate is we like, you know, we're employers of choice in organizations where your work is going to make a difference because yeah. we're not a big company. Um,
0: yeah, you got it. Smart. Yeah. Love it what are the biggest challenges you see ahead both for the business, but maybe even just economically things that you're thinking about that are Mm -hmm. keeping you awake at night for my business, for local think tank yeah, or just in general.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, certainly I think that (laughs) signs point toward at least some recessionary effect of this, uh, you know, money printing cycle and and getting off that, uh, sugar high. Um, and so I think that's unavoidable. More like math. I don't know if sugar (laughs) is a good, but (laughs) probably true about as damaging as well. Yeah. Um, but, So I I think there is a recession. Local historically, even though we haven't been around for that long, it it seems like when economic times are really good, it's hard to get members because everybody's got so much business. They're too busy to want to work on their business. Yeah, I'm good. We don't need this. Yeah, yeah. And so I think we tread water at least when there's a recessionary kind of thing because it brings to more people's awareness that, hey, I have to do something different if I'm going to survive this. And what are other people doing? Yeah. Uh, so there's some of that. Um, I think Northern Colorado is going to remain more insulated than most of the country. I think we'll see a, a little, we'll, we'll have a cold while everybody else has has a, the flu or COVID or something. Um, because we've got so much capital being imported into this region for you know uh, between people buying houses you know moving from california or texas or new york or whatever yeah um and and also commercial real estate or even development of apartments and housing there's a lot of jobs tied up in that yeah and the i-25 corridor is such a major
0: thoroughfare for transport mm-hmm. and um so there's still a ton of that moving through this totally. area
1: i mean we, you can really tell how the economy is going in the moment by how many cars are on the damn road. Yeah. It true. makes a lot of difference and and you can, I mean, it's, it's buzzing right now.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well now you're a Yoda. You've gone somewhat through this journey. Uh, you know, you're moved beyond startup and you're in that growth and expansion phase. And, um, what do you think, what do you think separates those people who become successful entrepreneurs mm. from those who give up, quit or
1: maybe never get started? Yeah. Um, what we, I have a lot of hybrid words and one, one that we use is (laughs) perseverance. So a combination of perspiration and perseverance, you know, it's, it's going to be in most cases, there's going to be some, some significant long weeks of working hard for not much money. Yeah. Um, things like that. And so you have to be really driven for, for the destination Mm -hmm. and, and be willing to kind of endure that. Um, so I think that's probably the biggest thing that separates. And then, you know, it, it takes something, you know, a special sauce, mm. you know, pers- pers- perseverance or perseverance without actually something that the, that the marketplace wants or, you know, is differentiated from, from other people and stuff. So you have to have, have to be adding value. Right. I, I listened to a podcast with Elon Musk and he's like, you know, if if you're starting a business to make money, like, I don't know what that is, but are you adding value to the world in a real right. way? You know, it's something that addresses real needs. Um, and so that's probably a big, a big thing is something that you're excited about adding value to the world in this way.
0: Yeah. Something that you'd be willing to do even if you didn't get paid and then you yeah. can figure out how to get paid to do it. Right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I think that's fair. Well, and, or, you know, my landlord is Horner painting, mm-hmm. you know, painting isn't super exciting. But he's excited by the fact that he gets to provide a lot of great jobs. Uh, He's, you know, he's a Finnish expert, right? Right. Like he can go into a a building and see where they, one wall has a lighter blend thing or different things. He's an expert at it. Yeah. It gives him joy. He's passionate about it. Yeah. Yeah. And so it doesn't have to be, you know, this thing that you're like super passionate about that. and, And in some ways, you know, food was the thing that I was super passionate about, but that doesn't mean that owning a food business is what I should do.
0: Yeah. I mean, I love smoothies, but I'm not opening a smoothie shop. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> like, yeah. So I love that. Uh, we'll, we'll end on this. What inspiration do you have for an entrepreneur who aspires to take the entrepreneurial leap and, or who is on that journey? Maybe they're in that yeah. thick of it. They're experiencing the pain right now and they haven't quite hit the, the profit breakthrough. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, it's worth it. I think that, uh, you know these last few years, especially, and you know, even though a lot of small businesses suffered during lockdowns and things like that, but yep. freedom is the most valuable thing in being a human, kind of. And mm-hmm. and if you're able to build an enterprise that that can send you money while you're on vacation in Italy, you or know, in Hawaii for your twentieth wedding Hawaii anniversary, Hawaii for your twentieth like you wedding, did. yeah, <laughs> exactly. If you can build an enterprise that. That can actually earn you income while you're not actively turning the wrenches for it. You know that's like a, that's a level of freedom that is hard to beat. You know, so many of my members are baseball coaches, or you know, all these you know wonderful ways that they can engage with and be part of their family. They're uh, you know they might be youth pastors in their spare time, or different things, or golf right. coaches because those are some of their passions as well. And so the freedom afforded by by building something that that lasts, that that you know is a cash flow engine of its own, uh, it's just second to none, really.
0: Mm, so good. Uh, you made me think of another Dan Sullivan book called The Self Managing Company. Mm. He talks about the four freedoms that every entrepreneur is actually seeking. The first one is freedom of time, mm. the ability to control their own schedule, followed by the freedom of money. Followed by the freedom of relationship, which is really, I don't have to take this job. I get to work with you because I want to, yeah. not because I have to. I get to work with people that I like. Yeah. And then the, f- the fourth is freedom of purpose. Mm. And when you have a self-managing company, mm. it can give you time, money, relationship, and ultimately free you up totally. to go do charity work right. right? or coach a t-ball team for free. Yeah, right? whatever you want. But you can't get that. Um, and so the trapping for employees or newer entrepreneurs is they put money before time. When you put money before time, you have a job.
1: One final inspiration uh, in this category, my my friend Mike, who originally told me, hey, Bear, you should start a think tank. Like, you know a lot of people and, and whatever. And uh, years in, probably about one of those stories I shared, he was like, it's okay, Bear, you'll about. I, I didn't really get super motivated until I was super broke either. <laughs> so if you're at that place, uh, you know, uh, turn those motivation burners on the afterburner.
0: Well, I think that's good. And this is why I hate the term side hustle. Mm. Either you have a business or you don't because when you side hustle, it means you always have an escape hatch. Passion project is yeah. I, I like that a lot better. <laughs> exactly. So when you have an escape hatch, then you're never going to really be fully committed to it. You got to, at a certain point, in the boats or have that level of commitment, put that level of money into it and effort and energy and yeah. take the risk. Agreed. Yeah. Uh. Cool. Well, if people wanted to connect with you, what's the best place to do that?
1: Um, you know, com is the the main website. Um, you can also check out the podcast that we didn't really talk about, but the locoexperience.com cool. is yep. that.
0: We'll tag that as well.
1: And then, uh, you know, on LinkedIn, I'm I'm pretty famous. <laughs> You're super <laughs> Not active. as famous as Hunter. I didn't realize he had so many LinkedIn people. <laughs> yeah.
0: Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you being here, and I can't wait for the next one.
1: All right. That's sweet. Thanks awesome. for having me. Yeah. Thanks, Kirk. All right. Ooh. <laughs> Beard attack. Beard attack. Awesome, dude. Nice. We managed it perfectly. Nice. 927 Felt like a better conversation than last time, too. Maybe. Yeah. Well, it's in the middle of it. Yeah. Better clarity for you.